Good morning, Connection Point Church. I'm so excited that you are back with us. We're back in studio, and I do just want to um, iterate that uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up as far as uh, meeting together. Uh, next week, if you are uh, able, we want you to come to the, the Williams property. You can find that, uh, again, on our, uh, on our website, on our events. Um, and I'll be sending out information, but we're going to do a picnic next week. So I do want y'all to be there for that. We're also doing Easter in the park. This will be the first Easter, by the way, that I'm not preaching a sermon, which I know I can feel everyone like, oh man, we are going to do uh, communion on Easter. It's going to be a great uh, Sunday. And we're also going to have an Easter egg hunt in the park in Murphy. So it's going to be an awesome time. Invite your friends. And then we're also going to be doing more uh, gatherings at Inspiration, broadcasting from Inspiration as well. And so there's going to be a lot more uh, opportunities to see faces, and I want to encourage you all to be a part of that. Um, now, as we continue in our series, The Story of Us, today is going to be a pretty full day. We're going to actually get through three chapters today, and so uh, we're going to have to move pretty quickly here. And if you remember, it's been a few weeks, but we went through uh, chapter six uh, the last time that I preached. And chapter six was before the flood, but it was Noah before the flood. Everyone was uh, evil except for Noah. And so today we're going to hit chapter seven, chapter eight, and the first part of chapter nine. And I want to kind of uh, remain, I want to show us the, the flow of how these go, but we're going to focus on the end of the, the story of Noah on him getting off the ark. In fact, here is the title of the sermon today. I've gotten three titles. So if you're joining us online, make sure that you tell me which title you're going to go with. Okay. The first title is we got to get off the boat. We got to get off the boat. Okay. Now that's if you've kind of, if you're not in the full pandemic mode, okay. Cause it kind of feels like maybe for some of us, Noah was on the ark for 150 days. We've been on this, this journey for 365 days. And so maybe you're not feeling it's, it's not, it, we got to get off the boat. The second possible title is, Lord help me, I got to get off this boat, okay? That might be the title that you need for it. Or it might be number three, which is, God, get me off this boat, okay? That may be the title that you want to go with for this one. So whichever one, just let us know if you're going with a one, two, or three today. You might even have a, another notch up there on four. You can make that up as, as you go. Here's what we're going to do. I want to start off just with this idea of getting off the boat. I want you to think about Noah. He was on the, the boat. He's going to be on this boat for 150 days. What would be the first thing you would do getting off the boat? And for me, thinking about this pandemic, as things begin to open up, a lot of you may be already thinking, you know what I'm going to do when, when things are just willy-nilly? So, now, some of you said, I'm going down to Greenville and going to just party on St. Patrick's Day. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, when the government and uh, the stores and everyone agrees, okay, the, the fear, everything, it is safe to go out and, and it's wise to go out. When all that happens, what are you going to do? Now, if you're in studio, I'd be thinking of your answer. I'm going to ask you. And so I'm going to, I want an answer. Now, I want you online, go ahead, type out in the comments, let us know what is the first like responsible thing where you're going to venture out. Maybe it's a vacation. Now for me, I am actually going to a concert in July with my son. This is in faith that everything's going to be back to normal, that, you know, I've been vaccinated. And so uh, hopefully everyone else will be by then and we'll just be past this thing. But I bought 
tickets last year in the middle of a pandemic. I bought tickets uh, for my son's birthday to go to see Green Day and Weezer and some other people. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. And so in faith, we're going, I'm going, taking my son to this concert. It's going to be good. So I want to know, uh, y'all in studio, okay? I'm going to start back here. Seth, what are you going to do? What's one of the first things you want to do? Play pickup basketball at the gym somewhere. Play pickup basketball. Hey, that's a good one. Daniel, do you have one? Go on a vacation for Daniel. Stacy? Probably find a concert to go to. Find a concert to go to. Any of y'all? Warrior Week. Warrior Week. Joey's going to take a whole bunch of kids to camp. That sounds like a great. He's taking two of mine, so that's pretty awesome. Now, when we think about what would you do, what you would do getting off of, of your ark, so to speak, I want you to kind of look at the story of Noah as how, where should our mindset be as we've kind of been on an ark? We've kind of been, you know, stuck inside. We've been stuck uh, kind of waiting for something to happen. And that's why I love the story. We're going to be in chapter seven and I'm going to kind of fly through this, but I want to give you in chapter seven and eight, which is the actual story of the flood. I want to kind of give you a, 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 a way to remember this story, because as we've seen in every single chapter of Genesis, that although it, it definitely is talking about history, but there's this literary uh, style to all of these where you can tell everything is intentional, the way that the story is being told. And so right now, I want I want you with your hands, I want you to make a wave, okay? I'm going to make a wave, okay? This is the story of Genesis. This is a wave, okay? Chapter 6 is down here. Chapter 7 is here. Chapter 8 is here. And chapter 9 is here. And so when you think about Genesis, there is a symmetrical wave to this. And it makes sense because it's a flood, right? The, the waters are going to rise. The waters are going to go down. And that's how I want you to, to kind of remember this. And so as we go through this, you're going to see that the text is telling us something by what this ark is taking us to. The first thing I want you to see is in verse one of chapter seven. It says this, the Lord said to Noah, go on the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Now, a couple of things that I want to just point out. It says the Lord said, but this doesn't mean it's audible. It could have been a dream. It could have been that he was speaking uh, some other way. I want to make sure that as you read through this, you think about this the way you tell a story. When, whenever God prompts you to do something, how do, you, how do you tell people? You say, you know what, I think God is telling me this. But he's not always speaking audibly. And I don't want us to kind of elevate the Old Testament so much that we get, begin to think that God acts different in the Bible than he does now. God speaks to you now. And, and, and God can be telling you certain things now. And so it's, it's important that as we understand this, that we, understand, that we, we don't read into it things that, that aren't necessarily not in the text. That's a hard way to say that, by the way. I'm not going to try to repeat that sentence. Um, but when he says to Noah, he prompts Noah. Um, and the first thing he says, again, we're on this, we're coming up on this ark. The first thing he says is he says this. He says, I want you to get seven pairs of, of all clean animals. At this point, Noah doesn't know what a clean animal is. There is no mosaic law. There is no, uh, you know, other kind of, all this. He says, get some clean animals. He probably said, tells him which animals to get. And he says, I want you to just, before anything happens, I want you to get these animals. It's kind of a weird command. In fact, uh, we all think about the, the idea that, Noah takes two of every animal, which he does. 
But he takes seven of some other animals, and this is going to be important, okay? Before anything happens, God says, hey, you just might want to be ready for when you get off this ark because you need to take some animals, some extra animals. So he takes seven pairs of all the clean animals and of all the clean birds, okay? He takes the male and its mate as well. Now, here's the pattern of Genesis 7 and 8, okay? It's going to be, y'all say this with me, okay? 7, 7, 40, say that. 7, 40. So 7, 7, 40, 150, 47, 7. Okay? So here we go. 7, 7, 40, 150, 40, 7, and 7. They're reflexive. We got seven. Uh, there's seven days before uh, that God says, hey, in seven days, I'm going to have a flood. He says this in uh, verse four. He says, for in seven days, I'm going to send. So he gives them a seven day warning, seven days before they get on the, flo- on the boat. Okay. Then they get on the boat and everyone gets all the animals on. And there's another seven days before the water comes. So there's seven days warning, seven days on the boat, just getting, you know, it's kind of like before the cruise takes off, you, you got to go through all the, the safety procedures. And then there's 40 days of rain, 40 40 days, 40 nights of rain of the, of the flood coming. And this is part of the 150 days. The first 40 days is rising of the 150 days where he's, where he's in the flood. Okay. Then I guess there's 70 days in between because uh, it also says when you get to chapter eight, it says at the end of 150 days, this is in chapter eight, verse three, it says at the end of the 150 days, the waters abated. And they abated or they declined in verse six of chapter eight. And I know I'm going fast here. They declined for how many days? For 40 days. And then he sends a raven off, which for no reason, apparently, because it doesn't say anything about this raven. And the raven, you know, doesn't, we don't know why. I'll tell you why I think, because I've investigated this for a long time. But then he sends a dove out. The dove doesn't do anything and it comes back. And then he sends it out again after seven days. And then after seven days, he sees there, it comes back with an olive branch. And so they wait after the olive branch, they wait another seven days on the ark before they go. So if you see the pattern here, it's seven days before they get on. There's seven days sitting on it, waiting for the rain to start. There's 40 days of rain. There's, and that's part of the 150. And then there's this time where they're just in a flood. And then there's 40 days of it receding. And then there's seven days where they know that land is somewhere. And then after uh, they come to a rest, there's another seven days of waiting before they get off. That's kind of the the period. And so what this does for us is it creates an emphasis of the story. The emphasis is this midway point in which the waters have risen And in the middle of that 150 days, that middle of this waiting, there's this verse, and it's chapter 8, verse 1. This is the very middle of the story. The very middle of the story, we have this phrase that says, but God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. This is the crucial element that this author wants us to see. The author of these wants us to see the most important thing that's going to happen in this is God remembered Noah. Now, what does that mean, God remembered Noah? Does that mean God's sitting up there and he gets busy playing, you know, uh, on his computer or a video game, and then he's like, well, Noah's down there. I forgot all about this guy in this flood that I started. Okay, that's not what it means. 
We'll see this several times in the Old Testament where it will say, God remembered. And what it means is that God has previously made a promise and then God is going to act on behalf of that promise he made. We're gonna see God remember uh, Noah. We're gonna see him remember Abraham. He's gonna remember Rachel. He's gonna remember his covenant sometimes. He's going to remember, but that doesn't mean that he forgot. That language means that he had already made a promise and he is now going to start seeing that promise fulfilled. And so the first thing when we think about the story of Noah is I want you to, th to think through this idea that at no time was, was God kind of forgetting or out of control. In fact, right after he remembers, it says this in, verse, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, and God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters began to subside. So that 40 days of subsiding came because God made it happen. And so as we think through this pandemic or any other trial that you're going through, I want you to remember these same prayers, that God has made promises, promises all over our lives. He's promised that he'll never leave and forsake you. He's promised that uh, you won't have to worry about um, what to eat or what to wear, that God is going to provide for you. All of these promises, there's going to come a time when you're in the thick of it and God remembers these promises. In other words, God is going to act on the promises he's, he's given you. And so when we read this story, I want you to see that Noah has this faith that God is going to move. Now, it started off, if you'll remember, um, in, in chapter 7, verse 1, it started off with this phrase that he saw that Noah was righteous. But I want to remind us, Noah is not righteous because he's a good guy. Now, he might have been a good guy, but that's not what this word righteous is talking about. This word righteous is talking uh, about the contrast between Noah and the rest of the world. If you'll remember before the flood, it said that the whole world basically was corrupt or evil. In other words, as we've seen in Genesis, the pattern has been that the, the evil starts when we begin to ask this one question. We begin to say, did God really say and we begin to question whether or not we're going to go our way, if we're going to decide what's right or wrong for us, or whether we're going to go God's way. We saw Eve make this decision, but we also see Cain make this decision. We see uh, all of the, the previous generations before this, they, they begin to make this decision where I know what God said, but I'm going to do what I say I want to do. And so when we see what Noah did, verse five of chapter seven is a good glimpse into the heart of Noah. It says, Noah did all that the Lord had commanded. So in other words, in Noah's heart is not this idea of, did God really say, you know what, I know that God says that, but I'm going to do my own way. Or maybe I'm going to twist his words a little bit so that I can eat the, the fruit or that I can believe the way I want to believe, that I can do the things I want to do. But Noah doesn't have this heart. Noah has this heart that, you know what, I'm going to take God's word um, when it comes to me and I'm going to just obey him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to obey. And that's the righteousness that we see in Noah. God sees this heart, this willingness to trust in the obedience is what he sees as righteous, that he's just willing to obey. He's got this heart of obedience. But we're going to see later on uh, next week that Noah is not necessarily a great guy. He's got some hangups, okay? But he goes on this ride in which God remembers this promise. 
And as we get to the end of the flood and, and seven days where this olive, and by the way, the raven, here's the thing with the raven. Uh, it's kind of just stuck in here. We don't know, uh, if you don't know kind of the history and what was going on at the time, it makes no sense that the raven, because it just doesn't seem to, to fit in the story. What you need to know about the raven is that there are over 50 flood stories throughout the United States that have been discovered. And the ones around that area, they all contained a raven. For some reason, they send out a raven. But what is unique about this story is the, it kind of shows, yeah, there was a raven. He sent out a raven, but the raven didn't have any supernatural qualities. There wasn't anything special about this raven. So it's kind of just debunking some of the, the other uh, things that were going on in some of the other stories about the flood. But one of the reasons that I believe the flood so much is because there are so many flood stories um, all over the world. In Peru, there's a flood story that, that, origin, that does not trace back to this one, that, that somebody else wrote a story of a worldwide flood. It is a fascinating topic, but in most of them around this area, there's this raven, okay? Now, let's get back on, on topic, Joel. Now, he sends out a dove. The dove comes back with an olive, their olive branch. There are olive trees all over the area. And so, he, he knows that there must be, there, there must be getting close to, to this thing ending. And so they wait another week now. The, the time has, has subsided. All the waters have subsided. And it's time to get off the ark. And so God says, okay, Noah, you and your family, y'all can get off of the ark. This, and you know, I just can't read this at this point right now in 2021 without thinking of it kind of being like just if, if God were to give us a sign, okay, y'all, you can take off your mask, you can go into Chili's, you can just without taking your mask, without taking your mask. Come on now, we like Chili's, right? Okay, yeah, come on. Wherever you, wherever, Country Burger, okay, wherever it is for you, I don't know. Here's what I want you to see in verse 20 of chapter 8. We're going to see now he's off the ark. Remember before uh, they got on in chapter six, it was an evil world. And now in chapter nine, look what happens. It says, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, for those of you in studio and those watching, you can type your answer. What does this command be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? What does this remind us of? It's already been said at some point. Y'all remember this, right? Genesis, early in Genesis, he said the first command he gave was be fruitful and multiply. So he goes back to his original intent. They know they're just being quiet in the studio. Hopefully you're screaming at the, the camera. They, he says be fruitful and multiply. And so the, um, he, he says that. Actually, you know what I forgot? Before we even do this, I want, I want to go back to chapter 8. I'm all over the place, I know. Um, he gets off the first thing he does is he builds an altar to the Lord. And he takes some of the clean animals, every clean, all the clean birds, all the seven that he brought with him, he takes those and the first thing he does is he builds an altar and he begins to sacrifice and worship the Lord. So it's interesting when, when God tells him to bring these extra seven animals, I got to think uh, Noah's thinking, what in the world, God? I, you're going to tell me to bring all the animals in the world, and then you're going to put seven more of these certain animals? I would be like, why do I need those? But God knew, hey, you're going to want these. After you go through this experience, you're, you're going to want these. And so we see this heart of Noah as, as time gets off and, 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 and time goes by and he gets off this ark. 
all of a sudden he's free. And the first thing he does is not go to see a Green Day concert. The first thing he does is not play a pickup basketball game. The first thing he does is say, I'm going to church. I've got to worship God who saved me. And and his heart is not mad at God. He's not thinking to himself, God, how could you do this? God, why are you putting me through this? Instead, he sees that God is in control of everything. And he says, you know what? God is my savior. God alone has saved me. And he worships him and he sacrifices to him. And we see this this, um, thread of sacrifice. Remember the first sacrifice we see in the Bible was God himself taking an animal and covering or atoning, covering the, the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And then we see that this has been passed down in Cain and Abel. They bring offerings to the Lord. And then we see the people that walk with God, they have this attitude of sacrifice, of wanting to trust God. They'll sacrifice to God because they trust him to cover them. And so Noah, the first thing he says is, I want to do this. And look what happens. It says in chapter eight, verse 21, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma um, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. In other words, he smelled this attitude of Noah. He smelled this attitude of worship and of praise and of just the thankfulness of God saving him. And he smelled it and, he, and it just, it made his heart want to bless Noah. And that's where he goes into verse nine. We'll go back to verse nine. It says, be fruitful. And he gives this, he reissues the command to be fruitful and multiply. And, and he gives some tweaks this time. He said, if you remember back in the day, they were all vegetarians. They only ate plants. This time he's going to say, you can now, in verse 3 of chapter 9, every moving thing that lives shall be for your food. In other words, now I'm giving it all to you. He says, every animal is going to fear you now. You have all command over all of these animals. But then he gives a little more command to, the man, to, um, to, the, um, to mankind. He says in verse 5, In your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. For every beast I will require it, and from man. From this, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. In verse 6, this is, I'm going to explain what he's saying here. He says, Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man his blood shall be shed. So in other words, he says, Now I'm going to give you this institution of governments and authority that, listen, you can... You can correct the wrong. When you see people killing others, when you see people making selfishness, I'm now giving you this authority that you now can stand for justice. You can stand for what's right. If you know somebody is against me, you can now stand up in authority. And we don't have to take this all the way to the government level. As a man, as as a family, we can decide we're going to stand for justice. But why do we stand for justice? In the end of verse 6 of chapter 9, he's going to tell us. He says, for God made man in his image. And he reminds us that the whole point of all of this is that the image of God is spread over the earth. The image of God is to be spread over the earth. So when he says, be fruitful and multiply, now obviously the first thing we think of, the first thing you probably think of, right, is uh, having relations or, or physically spreading and having babies and stuff. But I want to tell you that the point is bigger than that. If you are single, if you are not married, you are still called to be fruitful and multiply and multiply the image of God over the world. How do you do that? You share the the love of Christ. You share the the love of God and you carry out this justice. You carry out the gospel. You proclaim this. That is the be fruitful and multiply is you can still be a part of, of making sure that the 
image of God reaches the ends of the earth. And he'll over and over say this. He'll say, and be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly and, the mul and multiply it. That's verse seven. But then in verse eight, he's gonna start saying something a little new. He's gonna say this. God said to Noah and his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature, the birds and the livestock. Okay, so for the first time, God gives us a covenant. Covenant means promise. He, he's going to establish this agreement between two parties. And this one is not just to a certain people. This is to all of us, including the animals. And the first covenant is, and there are five covenants in the Bible, by the way. Um, this is the first of those covenants. And it, each one of those is glimpsing the final covenant. The final covenant is Jesus. It's called the new covenant. The first covenant, though, is God says, I will never destroy. From now on, I will save. That's what this, this, this Noah covenant is all about. Now the rainbow, you've seen the, the kitty books that he makes a rainbow, okay, to remind us when it rains. You might see one today, it's raining here. But what I want you to remember about this covenant is it's a promise that he's no longer gonna destroy and punish evil. He knows we're evil. He even says that several times. He says it in chapter eight. He says it in chapter seven. He says it in chapter six. He says, I know the heart of man and the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. He says that in chapter eight. Um, but he says, even though I know their heart, I also know they're capable of worshiping. They can choose to follow me. And so I'm gonna make this covenant with the whole earth that on behalf of those who are gonna worship me, on behalf of those who are gonna choose to obey instead of questioning, those who are gonna choose to trust me, I'm making this covenant that's gonna affect the entire earth. And because of that, we are now no longer gonna to look to God in, in fear of him destroying us. Now we're going to look for him to be our savior. And this glimpses that same, that same idea when he covered Adam and Eve, that he was the only one that could atone, that could cover their sins. And now we see God is the only one that can save. Now here's what I want you and I to think about. When we think about getting off the ark, when we think about the waters receding of this pandemic, I want you to think about what you are really, really hoping for. Were you just wanting to get off this boat because you want vacations, you wanna to go to a concert, you wanna do this? Is that, is that what we're hoping for? Or is there a bigger reason for us to get off of this ark? Is there a bigger reason? You know, I was thinking about this, you know, once the, um, the ark settles down, it's actually up in the mountains and somehow he gets the elephants to walk down the mountain. I'm sure he had to send the or all the cows and the, you know, the gazelles out first because the lions, if he puts them out first, they're probably just going to be like, oh, we'll just wait for the food to come off. And it'd be like a buffet line or something. I don't know. He probably had all that thought out. So after he gets them all gone though, he's got this like three-story mansion sitting in the mountains. Why get off the boat? Why not just say, you know what? We got this nice little, I got my wife here. I got my family. We're, why don't we just stay on the boat? But instead we see God give him this command of, listen, I didn't save you so that you could stay on this boat. I didn't bring you through this pandemic so that you can stay in your houses when things open back up or so that you can begin to say, I'm just going to do church online for the rest and I'll, I'll worship in my underwear every, uh, with eating my, my waffles um, or whatever you're eating. Uh, probably Legos or Egos, not Legos, Egos, <laughs> Ego waffles, right? We're probably not making full waffles anymore a year into this thing. God didn't save us through this, bring us through this whole pandemic 
so that at the end of this, we can say, okay, now we work inside, now we do church inside, now we stay inside. Instead, when I think about what God is, is teaching us, the first thing is, is God is, is longing God is waiting for us to be able to gather and to be able to worship him. And I hope that your heart is, you know what? God has already given me some animals. He's already given me a hint of, hey, when this is over, I'm going to, I'm going to worship. We're going to get together and we're going to worship. And we are going to praise his name and it's going to be a pleasing aroma. And yes, you can do that in your home, but there's something about when we gather together and just say, this is about God. God has saved us. But I also want to, to go past just having this attitude of, great, of gratitude, but he's also giving us some commands. He said, you know what? I saved you so that you can multiply my image across the world. You have a mission to proclaim that only God saves, that only God saves. All of Noah's sons, they didn't look around saying, I'm glad Noah's a good ark builder. Man, Noah saved us. They didn't say that. Instead, they all proclaim God saved us. They worship God as He's the one that's saved. And so God gives him this commission. He says, you've got to be fruitful now. You have a job to do. My image needs to cover the earth and I'm putting that on you. You cannot stay in the ark. That's what I think is so important for us to hear that there is a time coming when all of us need to begin to just gear up and, say, and quit praying for the end of the pandemic. In faith, that pan, the pandemic will end. Our, our prayer needs to turn to God, make me strong. God, make me ready so that I'm ready to serve, so that I'm ready to, when it's time for us to, to go and worship again together, when it's time for us to start meeting, hey, God, get me ready, protect me, but get me ready. God is calling this church, I know. I'll speak for us. Connection Point Church has a big mission ahead of us. We have a mission. We have a world right now that is not asking, hey, God, how can we obey you? We have a world that is, is lost, confused, and many of us are, are many of the people that we see around us are saying, you know what? I'm going to try to go my own way. And we have this gift. We have a God who saves. We have a God who loves us so much. He's promised, hey, I will always save from all. I've given you this covenant, this promise. And we see it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We have a picture now. Noah didn't even have this blessing. We have a picture of how God saves. He saves through Jesus on the cross. He saves through this resurrection power of raising Jesus from the dead. And every single one of us has access to that power when we trust in Jesus. We have got to multiply this message over the face of the earth. Which means on Easter Sunday, when we do church in the park, you need to be praying, who are you going to invite? Who are you going to get there? Because people need to know that there is hope in this world. Maybe for you, it's, uh, there, we've already had opportunities to serve coming up and we've already filled our first opportunity at the Christian Care Center. There's so many of us that are beginning to say, okay, this is, it's one thing to wait in the boat when the, when the storm is hitting us, but as the waters subside, I'm not staying on this boat. My heart for you as you hear this message is that today your prayers will change and you'll begin to say, you know what? I need to prepare myself to get off this ark, to get out of this house, to get out of these, these clothes and into my work clothes. Maybe put on pants. I need to get ready to leave my house and to leave this fear and all of the things because God is taking us somewhere. He's taking us to a place of worship, but he's also taking us to a place of purpose. We are going to see his name proclaimed of this world. And it starts when we 
get off the boat. Let's pray. Lord, as we look to the next few weeks and months, we thank you for a church in the park coming up, and for Easter in the park. We thank you for the opportunity we're going to have to not only see faces, but to worship you together. Lord, we thank you for all of the gatherings as we begin to slowly just offer opportunities in April for us to see faces and to worship together. And Lord, when the time comes, when we go back into the school or wherever you'll have us, Lord, we pray that it's not just a few of us who are, who are there to worship. Lord, I pray that every single one of us that has been on this journey for the last year sees the purpose and says, you know what? I've been kind of maybe my, my brain has switched off for a little bit, but I need to get back to the purpose of God. God has put me and has taken me through this so that I can see his name proclaimed. Lord, begin to give me a boldness. Begin to give me a, a strength so that even as things open up and, and I may not think I'm ready or may, I may not be fully prepared, Lord, I pray you'll give me a boldness to take some steps of faith because Lord, we know you have called us and we have work to do. And Lord, we pray that you'll give us the strength to do it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.